Welcome to Midnight Slumber. I am your host, Zach Miller. Join me as we take a journey through the alternate realities that take place after midnight. Welcome to this special Halloween episode. Tonight, we have three frightful tales for you to enjoy. So let's get started with our first tale called Space Chase. Slamming my shoulder into my basement door, it bursts open with urgency. The hallway in front of me is much longer than I remember. The lights are dim and the walls glow with a warm red. I shout, trying to get anyone's attention, but no one is home. The only thing that makes a sound is the creature that is after me. I sprint up the winding staircase heading towards my room. My family in the picture frames tell me to hurry. It's getting closer. I reach the top step and jump into my room, slamming the door and locking it in one motion. I land on my side and slide across the glossy floor. Wait, I have carpet in my room. Why is the floor slick? The lights are off in here, so I can't see anything, but I can hear strange noises. Electronic beeps and tiny LED lights flicker in the darkness. A loud mechanical sound booms to life, causing the lights to flick on. I stand to see my bedroom door is made of a heavy metal, not the soft white door I am used to. The floor glistens with a high gloss finish reflecting everything in this room. I am not in my bedroom, but inside a spaceship's docking entrance. I was tricked. The ship takes off, slamming me back down to the floor. The window next to the door shows the night sky full of clouds instantly change into a brilliant display of stars. I struggle to push myself up just in time to see the Earth disappear into nothing as we enter warp speed. It only lasts for a matter of seconds before we slow to a stop inside some red gas cosmos. The door behind me opens with lights flashing, indicating that there is a problem on this ship. I slowly peer out to see what's around the corner. Hallways splitting into three different directions with the lights flickering between blue and red. On the wall up ahead are arrows pointing down each pathway, but the language written on them is not from this earth. I step out and decide to just go straight, hoping that this way will lead me to the main control bay, or at least to someone who can help me. Each room I pass by is empty, walls torn and dented with bullet holes and scratch marks. I shout, Is anyone there? I need to go home. There must be some mistake. I shouldn't- Please be quiet or it will find you. A robotic female voice comes on, but in an almost hushed tone. Just follow the blue lights. You need to hide. A door opens down the hall and I duck behind the metal trash can. The creature passes through, heading down another hallway. Slowly back up and follow the blue lights in the opposite direction of the creature. A door slides open for me, and the lights take me to the left, where a foggy glass door is cracked open. Shoving it aside reveals an escape pod. 
except it and this room are badly damaged. So much for the robot's help. Are there any more? Is this one not functional? I am unable to see into that room, but the pod should be there. The pod's here, it's just badly damaged. That was the only one left. Head to the control bay. My connections are too damaged for me to fly you home, but I can instruct you on how to do so. She changes the lighting in the room to red. The lights are fading on and off as she redirects the power. The ship must be heavily damaged as the rest of the halls around me are void of any light. The sound of a door booms open and I can hear the creature starting to run. I bolt, following the lights and making my way closer and closer to the main control station. I round the corner into an open glass hallway. Everything is glass. I can see the wiring, ducts, and control lights underneath. Rushing forward, I stop and try to get the door open, but it won't budge. There is nowhere for me to go, and the creature comes running in behind me and stops. It's blocking the other door. I shout, open the door! Nothing. The creature steps forward in its silver and black spacesuit. A long tail whips behind it, cracking the glass floor beneath us. Open the door! Open the door! Open the door! The creature rushes forward and slams me into the door, holding my mouth shut with one of its numerous hands. It towers over me, and I can feel it staring at me through its visor. One of its hands slowly reaches behind its head and begins to unzip the suit. What lies underneath is grotesque and has an odor of a thousand rotten trash cans. A slimy red being with a face that looks almost human stares back at me. It's void of any expression, no eyes, just empty sockets that are staring deep into my soul. The longer I stare, the more its face changes. A mouth begins to form, and what I see looking at me scares me to death. It's a bloody, horrifying version of myself. Being lost and wandering out in the endless desert is a terrifying scenario. In our second story, I stumble upon something even more terrifying than just being lost. Here is our frightful story called Sands of Time. Everything is orange, and I can't seem to find which direction the sunlight is coming from. It's disorienting in this light. The hot and dry, dusty air fills my lungs and everything around me. Everywhere I look, I see nothing but the orange dust storm. Above me is a small rock point hanging in the air. I step out from under the sharp point and can't see what's holding it up. Whatever it is must be tall because I can see for hundreds of feet, but the dust blocks out anything beyond that. I realize as I look up that I am underground, yet everything is lit as if the sun were setting. Nothing but hills of sand surround me. I stumble up and over the sand dunes trying to find a way out, 
are at least trying to find a way out of this dust storm. After traveling for what seems like hours, I crest over a mountainous sand dune and see that the environment ahead levels out. However, the dust storm continues and seems to be getting stronger as it goes. I can even hear cracks of lightning off in the distance. I would go back, but I can feel something drawing me in this direction. Stepping away and down the hill, I am off it in just a few steps, which is odd as the flat ground seemed to be over a mile away. I look back and see that the hill I was standing on only seems a few feet high now. Along the ground are small black lines with little toy cars spread across them. The cars are badly damaged, and more seem to appear the further I follow. Little skeletons line the road and hang from these vehicles. It's a pretty morbid display, especially for whoever took the time to create all this. Up ahead is a small pileup of little cars that lead into a small highway bridge that barely comes up to my ankle. I raise my eyes up before I step over the bridge and see buildings, skyscrapers as tall as I am, broken and damaged off in the distance. That's when I finally hear it, the wind. The sound of the wind is filled with thousands upon thousands of people's screams for help. Something small flies by the corner of my eye. It's so fast I can't determine what it is. It's just a flash. I follow in the direction it went and something starts to rise out of the ground. Dust billows up as the Statue of Liberty rises up, cracked and missing part of her face. It's small as well, only coming up to the bottom of my chest. The roads around me seem all to lead in one direction, to a singular point. Off in the distance is an ominous figure, completely covered in a black shroud. I move closer, not because I want to, but because I'm being drawn to it. It slowly moves as the flies buzz around it and dart off to bring up more buildings and things from the desert floor. I reach the intersection that the figure is standing at, and this figure is bigger than me, easily towering over me at twice my size. Black smoke pours out of it like the sun radiating heat. The tall figure turns to face me. A dark void looks back at me, and I immediately know who I am looking at. Death stares into my soul, and I am frozen in fear. I don't know what to say. No thoughts run through my head, not even the thought of escape. I advert my eyes from its face, or lack of face, and to my realization, the flies buzzing around him are witches who are creating chaos and destruction. They laugh and cheer at everything they are doing. Out of the corner of my eye, I see death look away from me and slowly start to move again. He is watching what the witches are doing, studying them, and in their wake of destruction, he is picking up the souls as he slowly moves about. Death looks back at me one last time and very directly says, Let you see other things to come. This world will be mine and everything in it. I stand there speechless as I watch Death pull out his shiny ornate scythe 
and slowly traverse across the sands of time, unable to stop any of this. The screams grow louder and louder until death has faded into the dust storm. I am left alone in this hellscape. Our final story is more on the fun side of Halloween. Still creepy, but not quite as serious. Enjoy this fun story called Neon Zombies. My friends and I are running through a dark log cabin house. Sounds of multiple footsteps follow us in the dark, lighting up the rooms in multiple colors as they pass through. Neon zombies are chasing us. We bolt outside through the massive wooden door to find ourselves in a graveyard at night. Tons of lanterns light the graveyard with a weird greenish and purple glow. Running over the small hills full of graves, we see statues upon statues of famous cartoon characters smiling and laughing at their immortalization. Neon zombies pull themselves out of the graves and try to grab at us as we speed by. A few of us fight them off using shovels and rocks that we find laying about. It doesn't stop them, it just causes them to stumble back or take pause. They continue towards us, smiling with big goofy smiles. Ahead of us are some glass boxes that are locked with big bows and ribbons that say open in case of an emergency. These boxes are sitting all in a circle around some of the graves. My friends and I try to crack them open, but the glass is too thick. We frantically twist the combination lock back and forth. Without rhyme or reason, we manage to decode all the combinations and get the boxes open. One of them has a key in it, another a big repulsion weapon, and a small race car. My buddy fires up the weapon and knocks the zombies back, sending them flying. This gives us enough time to hop onto the ridiculously small car, which looks really awkward when we're all sitting on it. Parts of us are hanging off, and we race over the hills trying to get further away. Up ahead is a big concrete bunker next to this graveyard. As we zip towards it, we see people waving at us through a thick glass to come in. Pulling out the key, we pull right up to the massive heavy door, and the key slides right in. The door opens with ease. We fly in, but the door doesn't shut behind us. Before we can ask them how to shut the door, they tell us we must catch the robot that is running for its life. Otherwise, they can't shut it. A few of us stay behind to help keep the zombies at bay. While they are guarding the building, I take off with a few of their people to chase down the robot. Being in our tiny cars, we speed off down the massive hallway. It's decorated with all kinds of Halloween attire, pumpkins, ghosts, spiders, all in a very humorous and childlike manner. But we are racing up and down and around a few pillars, knowing that we are vying for our lives. Not knowing where I'm going, but clearly going deeper and deeper into this facility, finally, we come to a wide open docking bay and the robot cranks open the door and rushes out. We follow and are now speeding down a golf course that must have been built for a giant. More zombies come pouring out onto the green as we race around and dodge them. One zombie jumps out in front of me and I just barely miss him. 
Instead, I crash into a giant windmill's blade, which knocks me out of my car. I land hard and roll across the ground, stopping just in time to see my car go careening down the golf course hole. The zombies are getting closer. I hear a few get hit by the same blade, but some still make it through. Taking off on foot, I duck and dodge my way back to the building. As soon as I enter, the bunker's docking bay doors slam shut. I just hope everyone else is safe. It seems like it is taking me forever to make my way back. But to my surprise, they are all setting up tables and chairs. Some of them are cooking a big meal for everyone, as apparently we have successfully made the building secure. Walking up to the main door, which has a giant glass wall next to it, I see the robot race up out of the dark fog in my vehicle. Behind him are more zombies slowly approaching out of the fog. We quickly crack open the door, and the robot zooms in. Just as we close the door behind him, the zombies slam into the window, banging and scratching against the thick glass, trying to get in. The robot is clearly damaged. Metal is dented, wires are exposed, sparks are flying, and bright neon liquid covers parts of the machine. I immediately start repairing and reprogramming it to not run and to help protect us. As soon as I finish and start to walk towards the table where the feast is, the robot turns to me and hands me my phone. Apparently, I dropped it. On my phone's screen is a missed message from my girlfriend. The blurry text says she is trapped in a cabin and needs help. I asked the robot, which I now call Lucky, to go with me, to help be my eyes and ears in the dark. Lucky happily agrees. Lucky and I exit the facility, and I follow a few steps behind him as he scans the area for safety. He can trace the direction of where the message was sent from, so rather than I blindly guessing where she is, I allow Lucky to lead the way. As we travel through the dense, dark woods, it goes from night to early morning. As we exit the thickest part of the woods, I can see smoke. This hilly terrain has been a nightmare to travel through. But up ahead, on top of a nearby hill, we see the log cabin she is in. I start to run towards the cabin, but I hear the sound of metal being damaged. Lucky is destroyed. An arrow has gone through his main circuit board. I back off, ducking behind a tall bush. I overhear two men speaking in muffled tones as they approach. They are rough-looking fellows who clearly have spent their lives in the woods. One of them is covered in head-to-toe camouflage, and the other, older-looking one, is wearing blue jean overalls. They study Lucky for a minute wondering what they are going to do with him. The old guy spits his dip onto the ground and grabs Lucky by the arm, dragging him off as they continue their patrol around the perimeter. I would go back to save Lucky, but I have a more important mission at the moment, rescuing my girlfriend. Once they are out of sight, I dart up the hill as quiet as I can. I get about halfway up when I accidentally cause a fallen tree to start rolling down the hill. Both men come rushing back to check out what caused the log to fall. 
Ducking behind a big tree, I'm hoping they don't see me. They look around, scanning the hillside with their weapons drawn, and see nothing. However, even though none of us have moved, the sound of a twig breaking grabs their attention, and mine. I hold my breath and don't move as I am in fear for my life. An arrow is fired in my direction as the two men dart my way. I grab a stick from the ground and knock the bow from the man's hand. I'm prepared to fight, but they turn and run in fear. I am shocked at this until I hear the heavy breathing and roar of something giant behind me. Thank you for listening to our bonus Halloween episode. Please check out our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. We would love to hear your thoughts on tonight's episode. I'm your host, Zach Miller, and thanks for listening. Have a good midnight slumber.